0: honor you for your word Lord God that is truth we thank you because it is able Lord God to deliver us it is able to set us free Father God and it is able to keep us in line with you Father and Lord God this morning I pray Lord that you would speak to our hearts Lord God that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church and that we Father God would be not only hearers of your word but doers of your word Father God Your word says clearly, Lord, that if we say we have faith and yet we have not works, Lord, our faith is dead, my God. And so, Lord, I pray that even as your word declares that faith comes by hearing the word of God, that faith would be added to my brothers and my sisters. You see their situations, their circumstances, and Father, your word is able to change it if we will embrace it and run with it, my God. And so, Lord, I pray today that your name would be glorified, Lord, in these next few moments, that you would use me, that I would decrease, that you would increase, and that your voice would be heard clearly as you speak to us today, Father. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. We have been going through the series entitled By the Book, By the Book, and a few things that we've learned just to give a little recap the first thing that we learned when we dealt with the Word of God and, and, and talking about the kingdom of God coming, it was that the Word of God must be the source of our lives. The Word of God must be the source. And look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the Word of God must be the source of your life. Now, ask your neighbor, neighbor, what do you mean by that? Now, I want you to explain that to your neighbor, what you mean by that, glory to God. Uh-huh, Hallelujah. Tell them, tell them, I got the answer. I just got a revelation. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. them, Let them know. Let them know. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. When we talk about the Word of God being the source of our lives, I want you to think about a plug in your home. The plug in your home is not the source, it is connected to a source. Amen. And so what that source produces is what you get when you plug in and, you know, you just everything lights up. There is a source, and it is that. You, you can't go on ahead and see if you, if you were to go into your house and try to be an electrician, glory to God, and you decided to unplug the, 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 the source cable that's feeding all of that power into your house, and you decided that you were going to plug that cable in to, let's say, water. You would go to that, to that socket, and you would plug into that socket and you want to know what would happen? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because you ain't connected to nothing. You are not connected to a source. And so what do we, what, what, when I say that the word of God must be the source of our lives, it means that we must flow the way the word flows. Mm -hmm. We must go the way the word goes. We must do what the word says. We must not pick and choose what we're going to obey and what we're going to abide by. And no, 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 no. The word of God needs to be the source of every decision that we make. Amen. Somebody. That's what it means to have the Word of God as the source of your life because there's a whole lot of folks that call themselves children of God and they say, yes, you know, I believe in God and all of this and I believe that the Bible is inspired and yet they pick and they choose what they are going to obey. Listen, that is not allowing the Word of God to be the source of your life. The Word of God must be the source of your life. Everything that you do regarding anything, and we're going to get into a lot of stuff in the next few weeks, but anything that you do must be derived from and understand of what the scriptures say concerning that particular thing. Hello somebody. So we got to make sure that the word of God is a source of our life. That's the reason why the title of the series is by the book because we want to make the word of God the source of our life in every area of our life. We talked about a pastor Robert came and he spoke about what a Christian was by the book and he and he helped us to understand something that the word of God is supposed to be the source of our life and the cross. Must be what we are submitted to carrying every day of our lives. Amen. The cross. We got to carry that cross daily. Carrying the cross daily means to deny your own desires. To deny your flesh. To deny your old ways of being. To deny the thoughts that do not align with your source. Hello, somebody. Whenever, whenever the, the word of God is the source of your life There are going to be conflicting things that are going to arise That are going to come against your thought process And try to hinder you from experiencing what the word of God offers The word of God offers blessing, amen, somebody The word of God offers prosperity, amen, somebody The word of God offers peace, amen, somebody The word of God offers joy, amen, somebody The word of God offers hope, amen, somebody The word of God offers all of these things but when we disalign ourselves with this word what ends up happening is the prosperity we are supposed to experience begins to be cut short why because we have cut ourselves off from the source we wonder why we don't have joy are you connected to the source the way you're supposed to be or do you got some kinkage or some blockage somewhere hello somebody You got something that is hindering the flow of what God wants in your life. Is is, is there something in your life that needs to be removed? Something that needs to get, is there an attitude that you may have? So we've got to carry our cross because you know what the cross is? The cross is the kinkage remover. Mm -hmm. I figured I made up the word. I might as well use it again. Glory to God. Because it's going to be thrown in there somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the cross is the kinkage remover. What does it do? When you deny yourself, you see what happens is when those conflicting thoughts begin to rise up against you, then what occurs is you decide, okay, I am going to pick up my cross. I am going to deny myself and therefore I am going to remove whatever it is that is hindering me from experiencing everything that the source of my life promises me. So we got to carry our cross because if we call ourselves children of God, then we need to be dying to ourselves, not living for ourselves. So if the word of God is the source of our lives, the cross is the submission of our lives. We talked about the week before last that worship must be the sound of our lives. The Bible says that God is seeking true worshipers and we hopefully I pray to God that after I spoke the message that God gave me that we understand that worship is not only singing. Worship is not only music, but actually worship is a a way of life. It is a way that we live. It is not something that we do on a Sunday or whenever we turn on worship and praise. No, 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 no. Worship is something that we are living and our singing of songs of worship becomes that much more powerful and that much more intimate when what? When I am living a life of worship. So all of these things are tied into each other and there's one that I would like to speak on today because as I was praying and sh- and, and just meditating on the Lord last week during my devotional time and said okay God where do you want me to go in this series where, where where do you want me to go from this place we've talked about the word we've talked about the cross we've talked about worship now where do we go because I don't want to just jump into how to be a husband by the book or how to be a wife by the book or how to be you know a businessman by the book or how to, I, I don't want to jump into those things I want to I, I want to get to where you want because I wasn't feeling peace on these other things and then suddenly as I was reading Psalm 96 read it with me or you can look down you have to read it out loud but he says like this the psalmist says oh sing to the Lord a new song it's a psalm that gives us an invitation to do something sing unto the Lord a new song in other words, get a revelation on a daily basis of God's grace and God's mercy because when you get a revelation of God's grace and God's mercy the song that you sing to him will be new hello When you get that understanding, and he goes on to say, sing to the Lord all the earth. So he says, I want everybody, not just some folks, but everybody in the earth is invited to do what? To sing unto the Lord a new song. In other words, everybody in the earth is invited to get a revelation of God's grace and God's wonder. Verse 2, sing to the Lord, bless his name, hallelujah. Sing to him, bless him and honor him. But then look at the next portion of the verse. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Thrown up in this mix of worship is a declaration for you and for I to be evangelists. What are you going to do? You're going to just sing to him about salvation? That's not what he's saying. He's saying day to day. So he, 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 here's what I understand. He, here's what I understand. And I've been challenged by this, and I'm trying to follow the challenge and be obedient. But here's the thing: on a daily basis, from day, I, I shouldn't skip a day without sharing with someone. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm glad I got two amens. Hallelujah. I shouldn't miss a day without sharing the good news of salvation. Is it good news to anybody up in here, glory to God? I know you talk about carrying a cross. That ain't good news. Listen, it's the best news because the better you carry a cross, the freer you are from sin. Hello, somebody. But he says, proclaim from day to day this good news of salvation. And so we've got to be the kind of people who have the word of God as a source of our life. We've got to be the kind of people who are submitting by carrying our cross. We've got to be the kind of people who sound of true worship. And we also must be the type of people who are shining brightly for Christ. And here, here is why this becomes so important. Because if I talk to you about being a Christian husband or being a Christian wife, if I talk to you about being a child of God growing up in Christ, or I talk to you about being a businessman, a businesswoman, or I talk to you about being whatever it is according to this book, we need to understand something that fundamentally and foundationally all of these things fall under one umbrella, and that is you being a witness. All of these things fundamentally fall under one umbrella. The way you treat your wife is a witness of who your God is. The way you treat your husband is a witness to who God is. The way you treat your children is a witness to who your God is. The way you treat your parents is a witness to who your God is. The way you operate as an employee or an employer proves who your God is. It is a consistent and constant thing in all of these areas that we are constantly bearing witness to who our God is. Bottom line, no matter how you want to cut it, no matter how you want to look at it, you are bearing witness to who your God is by all of these things that we do. And so before we get all up in these other things and specifics, I want to just be real general today. Glory to God. And, 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 And I want to talk to you today about something that I believe that is very, very important for us as the people of God. And it is that we need to understand that whether intentionally or unintentionally, we're always bearing witness to who we serve. And whether we believe it or not, we are all expert witnesses. You hear what I just said? An expert witness is someone that they call to the stand. They need to get an expert opinion, someone who is an expert in this field. They need something on, you know, someone who died or whatever, or you know, know, uh, looking at different things, you know, forensics, whatever. They bring somebody who is an expert in that area and they get his expert opinion so he can break it down and he can convince the jury that this person is guilty or that this person is innocent. heard something the other day. I actually read it the other day and I've heard, I've heard it quoted a couple of times and no one ever gave credit to an author but anyway it was some old commentary over there and he said and, and I think it was D.L. Moody who said it if I'm not mistaken but he said if you were arrested for being a Christian would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now, y'all ain't saying nothing. If you were arrested For being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Church, the Bible clearly shows us that we are called to be witnesses for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And our lives should demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are guilty of loving Jesus. That we are guilty of being born again. Hello, somebody. That we are guilty of knowing who the king of kings is. That, 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 that is without, without question. Without question, that should be something that should be clear and evident within our lives. The title of the message this morning is Witness." God is looking for someone who will be an eyewitness. Not an eye. I Eyewitness. You know, they got that iPhone, it's is ready for everything, glory to God. That's the kind of Christians that we need to be, church. And I I, I started thinking about the iPhone yesterday, because when I put the title of the message, I was like, eyewitness, that sounds great, glory to God. And I realized there's an iPhone out there. I didn't look into it. I was gonna ask Baron to give me an exhortation on the iPhone, but you know, I'll leave him alone today. Glory to God. But the fact of the matter is that we need to be those type of people that are eyewitnesses. Why? Effective witnessing for Christ requires an eyewitness attitude and approach. So the first thing, please repeat this with me. Say, I must be intentional in my witness for Christ. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to go to some scriptures that are very familiar. Glory to God. The book of Matthew chapter 28, please. book of Matthew chapter 28. We'll begin reading in verse 18 when you got to say so. And it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So the first thing, remember what I said when you repeated this after me, is that you and I must be intentional. Intentional. We can't just let stuff ain't just going to just happen by happenstance. Things aren't that way. It doesn't just happen just, you know, because you hope it happens, but there's got to be some intention with the things that go on. Jesus didn't come down here. Now, think about this. Jesus did not come to the earth and sit here and, 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 you know, sit down here for three years and preach, you know, in, in the last three years, the 33 years of his life. He didn't sit there for those three years and just teach, preach, and then go up in heaven without giving his disciples some direction. No. He gave his disciples some clear direction. He gave them some clear understanding of what was expected of them. There was intention behind what Jesus did. I did this for three years. I showed you. I called you from fishing. I called you from being a tax collector. I called you from doing all of these other things that you were doing. I called you to leave all of that stuff, to come and follow me for these three years so you could watch every move that I made, so you could hear every prayer that I prayed, so you could be there to see all of the things that I did, and that way when I leave, you could do it. This is what he did. You could hear every teaching and you would have the opportunity to sit down with me and say, Lord, why do you speak to them in parables? And then I'll break them down for you. And that way you could understand and you could break down those parables and you could be able to minister life. This is what what Jesus did. There was intention to his plan. He goes on to the book of Acts. We're not going to turn there. But when you turn to Acts chapter 1, he tells his disciples something else. This is one of the last things that he says to them. But in, in another last conversation, he says to them, he says clearly, he said, listen. He said, you guys, they're asking him, Jesus, is now going to be the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? He tells before that. he says, no. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. So now look at what he does. He goes and he tells them, I want you to go and be witnesses. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. This is what I want you to do. But I'm not just leaving you with that information. I'm going to give you some more um, 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 direction as to what it is you need to do and what is it? You need to go on ahead and you need to wait until you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And then when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you a little bit more direction. You're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, and then you're going to move to Judea, and then you're going to move to Samaria, and then you're going to move throughout all of the earth. And for those of you that are with us in our Thursday night Bible studies, you will see that we have clearly seen how everything that Jesus said came to pass. God made sure that they witnessed in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and spreading throughout all the earth. And now we're getting ready to study the Apostle Paul and his ministry and see what goes on there. But here's the thing is that Jesus was Very clear and very intentional. There are too many. Hear this now. There are too many Christians who lack intentional discipleship goals. What do you mean, Bishop? Let me ask you this. Just think about this. I I don't want you to answer this for me. I want you to just answer it inside your own head. Glory to God. I don't want to embarrass no one. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. What is your goal as far as reading the word of God? What's your goal? Do you want to read the Bible once a year? Are you studying the Bible by topic, you know, different things? You know, that's, that's the way you can study the Bible, right? You can go ahead and you can study the scripture. You can learn about anger. You can learn about hate. You can learn about love. You can learn about forgiveness. You can learn about all of these. Are, are you studying the Bible like that? I mean, how, how is it that? What, what, what is your Bible reading plan? Or do you just play Bible roulette? What does that mean? Well, I take my Bible. I lay it down on the on the counter, make sure it's a flat surface. Glory to God, because you know if it's bumped, it could be you know moved some some way. And then I just go ahead and I just open up wherever I am. There you go, bam. And I'm gonna read the scriptures, and we'll read, "O Israel, return to the Lord your God." Okay, hold on a second. How do you plan to read the Bible? Okay, let's talk about prayer for a moment. Let's just talk about prayer, glory to God, because reading the Word of God is something that is very important. You know, what about prayer? Okay, you know, we, we talk about, you know, it's hard to pray. Okay, so what is your goal? How do you grow in prayer? It is by doing it. Hello. How do you how, how do you learn to talk? You you do it more. You do it more. You read some more. You go ahead and go through the Psalms and you see what the psalmist were saying. You get you get into prayer meetings, prayer circles where you hear wonderful men and women of God praying. And so what happens? You begin to grow. And but 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 is that a goal in your life? Is your goal to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend a minimum of ten minutes a day, you know, in in prayer, and then I want to increase that time. Is that something that is happening, or you just pray whenever you get a chance? going to be quiet today, huh? We're talking about being disciples, church. This is what disciples do. Disciples pray. Disciples read their Bible. Let's talk about scripture memorization. Hallelujah. In reading the scriptures, I know every, and look, every, every class that we ever talk about scripture memorization, people got issues memorizing scriptures and stuff like that. Listen, anybody can memorize scriptures. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Anybody can memorize scriptures. The question is, how disciplined are you in doing it? How many scriptures do you do 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 you want to memorize 12 scriptures a year? You know what that would equal? One new scripture a month. So that would give you four weeks to learn one scripture. You're gonna tell me that you can't practice for 30 days on one scripture and memorize. You got to be crazy. Listen now, we're talking about discipleship goals, okay? We talked about reading the Bible. We talked about scripture memorization. We talked about prayer because remember, what did I just say? I said there are too many Christians who do not have clear discipleship goals. This is the way that we grow in Christ. Well, let's, let's add to the equation. What about winning people to Christ? How about that? Because we're talking about witnessing. So how many people are you sharing the gospel with on a daily basis? Because if you plan to win someone to Christ, you're going to have to share the gospel with somebody. Hello, somebody. Talking about discipleship goals. And you know what? Here's the beauty. Here, here, Here is the beauty of all of this. Pastor Robert Bennett, hallelujah. He is the leader of our mentoring program, glory to God. And he is right now in the middle of phase one. He's almost, you know, getting done with that. And they're about to enter into phase two. And guess how phase two starts, glory to God. Phase two starts with a six-week training, intensive training on, on something called becoming a contagious Christian, glory to God. You want listen. You you want to talk about being intentional in this class. This is what you're going to learn. You are going to learn. How, first of all, you're going to learn what type of personality, what type of personality you have, and and that way, when you go to try to share the gospel, you don't try to be Billy Graham when you're not. Because everybody's not going to be Billy Graham. Everybody's not going to be Pastor Robert. Everybody is not going to be me. Everybody's not going to be that way when they get out there. Not everybody's going to be that way. Not everybody's going to be like Brother David just sharing the gospel with everybody. Not not everybody is going to be like that. But hear me. Everybody is responsible to share the gospel. Hallelujah. Talking about eyewitnesses, church, we got to be intentional. So how does this thing help us get intentional? Well, first of all, we learn about our own style. Then we go ahead and we learn how to present the gospel. We learn how to do it. That's another question. You want to win people to Christ? If someone asked you right now, someone came up to you, walked up to you and said, listen, I want to be saved. What must I do? Remember, don't answer this question. What would you tell them? How are they saved? What makes them saved? See, if you can't answer these questions, you need to see Pastor Robert immediately after service. Because he's going to hook you up. (laughs) He's going to help you buy a little workbook out there so you'll be prepared. So when phase two starts, you are in that class, glory to God. You become intentional not just by that because you don't just learn how to share the gospel because here's the thing, you can learn how to share the gospel, you can be praying, memorizing scripture, doing all of this stuff and still not be intentional in your evangelism. What do you mean? Because here's the other thing that it connects in there is it teaches you how to create something called an impact list. What is an impact list? An impact list is a list of people that you know that you want to share the gospel with. Hello, somebody. We're surrounded by folks, school people, all, all kind of school, you know, all kind of students around us, all kind of folks that could be where? Right on that impact list. And then you know what it does too? It shows us how to transition conversation. So you know what it does? It makes us some intentional folks. Why? How does this tie in with Matthew chapter 28? When Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, when he says, Go ye therefore, literally what that go ye therefore means, he means as you go. As you live, as you live your daily life, as you do your daily routine, be a disciple and make disciples. This is what Jesus is clearly communicating. It should be something that becomes natural within the life of anybody who calls himself a Christian. Anybody who calls himself a child of God. Witnessing should be something that becomes part of you. And again, when I say witnessing, when I say evangelizing, when I'm talking about that, I'm not talking about you getting up on a bullhorn in a corner somewhere. And sh- that, is not, that is not for everybody. Everybody is not going to feel comfortable doing that. But everybody, everybody. Who has ever had an encounter with Jesus? How many of y'all had an encounter? Don't raise your hand. How many of y'all had an encounter with Jesus? Glory to God. You don't have to raise your hand. Glory to God. How many of y'all love Jesus? Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen. How many of y'all really? Okay. All all y'all that were jumping inside right there, praise the Lord, wanted to do a backflip and say, I love Jesus. I've had an All of y'all, guess what? Every one of you is responsible to share the gospel, church. It is important that we become intentional because people ain't just going to get saved just because. Just because you're just such a great person, praise the Lord. When they come ask you a question, because you're so great, are you going to be able to give them the right answer? Intentional. We've got to be intentional in our witnessing. The second thing I want you to repeat with me. Say, I must be intimate in order to be an eyewitness for Christ. Turn to to the book of Matthew with me, please, chapter 10. So the first thing, you need to be intentional. The second thing, you need to be intimate. Intimate. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. When you got it, say so. so. And look what Jesus says here says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be, that will not be known. Verse 27, very important verse whatever i tell you in in the dark speak in the light and what you hear in the ear preach on the housetops. Now let me just pause here really quickly because it's important for us to understand something. If you are never in the dark and when he say in the dark, he's not talking about being in a room with the lights out. He's not talking about being lost. That's not what he's talking about. He is talking about when you close yourself in with him, when you are with him one on one, when you are by yourself and being with him one on one doesn't necessarily mean that you got to be in a room with him. You could be in your car driving down the road and that can be a place where it's that intimate time that you and God are having and God can speak something to you. But if you you are not mindful of God and you don't have that time with him, guess what's not going to happen? He can't speak to you if you're not there. Hello, somebody. So you got to have that time. How is he going to tell you something in your ear when your ear is tuned to everything else except his voice? How's that going to happen? It's not going to happen. And so he's got to have your ear. But let's keep on reading because there's some interesting stuff here. Verse 28. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body. But cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell and not and, and, and are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Understand this with me for a moment. We're going to keep reading. But Jesus is communicating to his disciples and he's saying, listen, I'm sending you out to be these witnesses and they're going to be mol- that you are going to have something tough to share with people and do not be afraid to share it with them even if it costs your life this is what jesus is saying jesus is saying clearly look there's going to be things that i'm going to show you in secret that people ain't going to want to hear hello but he says don't be afraid of them you need to fear me because if you will share that word guess what when you share that truth that truth is able to bring deliverance to lives hello somebody That truth is able to bring people out of this bondage that they may be in. Let's go on to verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now I want you to understand something. We need to understand that when we're talking about confessing him and denying him, this is not simply talking about me saying, yes, I'm a child of God. Obviously, that is not the case, because Jesus goes on to tell us earlier, he tells us this. He says, many will come unto me in that day and will say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many miracles in your name? Did we not do many great works in your name? And he is going to say this, part from me. I never knew you, but, 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 but listen to the phrase, you workers of iniquity. Here's the problem. The issue is their verbal confession was saying, I know you, but their lifestyle was saying, I don't know you. The way they were living was saying, I do not know you. Here's what we got to grasp is that simply saying, Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I'm a child of God. It's not enough. Does everything in your life say I'm his? Does everything in my life communicate I am his child? I am his property. Is It is his way. It is not. Does it, because if it doesn't, listen, you got to check yourself because I'm not going to be the one to write the line of judgment here and say, well, no, 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 listen, listen. I, I, I don't know when you have denied him enough for you to go on ahead and be called this worker of iniquity. I don't know that. But here's what I do know. I do know that there is a danger, because if we are not confessing him with our daily lives, demonstrating that we're children of God, we have issues, because he says clearly, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you. In other words, you're down in this earth, and you're not confessing him daily, church, we need to check ourselves. Amen? Being an eyewitness, being an eyewitness is impossible without intimacy and experience with the master. You cannot tell anybody about Jesus if you don't know him. You can tell them whatever you want, but you're not going to bring no change to their life. See, because there's something that we learn is that experience is a big deal. When you have experienced something, you can talk to someone about it. When you have had an experience with Christ, oh, you can talk to someone, and and guess what? First of all, you are not going to be shook, and I guarantee you something is going to be planted in them because they are going to have no way to explain how this happened or how this occurred because it was something that was supernatural. But if you do not have that time with the master, if you don't have that intimate time with him in that prayer time, remember we talked about that word time that we talked about, if you don't have that time with him, guess what? You're not going to be an effective eyewitness, church. You can't be. Why? Because boldness for Christ is a product of your relationship with him. You and I will not be bold for the Savior and bold for the Master if we're not intimate with him. It won't come out. Because what? Because we don't have that intimacy with him that is necessary. But I want to encourage you today because the Holy Spirit is looking for someone who is making private time with him a priority. Hello? God is looking. He is looking for someone who is making that private time with him a priority. Not just that, but also somebody who doesn't just come and just have this time of prayer that is, and and I hate to say it like this because we can get real religious and real ritualistic in our prayer time and all that stuff where it is not changing our lives. Our hearts have got to be involved in what we're doing. I've had to repent many times because I'm sitting down and I'm going through, okay, I got to get through. Remember I talked about those discipleship goals and I want to read the Bible. Bible in a year and all this and that and I got three chapters that I got to read in that day and I decide I'm going to sit down half-heartedly And open up the Bible, and I'm going to get through my three chapters. I don't remember one sentence after I'm reading it, and I've had to come before God and repent and say, Lord, forgive me because my heart was not here. I was going through the motions. And I want you to know that that happens to the best of us. And, you know, people that are the highest that you think are the most spiritual, it happens to all of us. It is important to recognize it and turn from that. But here's why this is important, because there's many people that I know of personally that have that time that they spend with the Lord. But when they get up, they're not carrying their cross. When they get up, they're not doing what a Christian is supposed to do. And so God is not just looking for someone who is having a time with him, but he's also looking for someone who is going to carry that cross on a daily basis because that is a person that he can trust to be his faithful eyewitness. The third thing that I want you to repeat with me is this. I must be intense in order to be an eyewitness for Christ. Now, I want, I, I, I want to qualify this statement because intensity doesn't mean loud. Hello, somebody. For some people, that is. For me, in, uh, loud is intense for me. That's just me. That's my part of my being intense. But it's not because I just, I'm trying to m- make it some way. No, nope, that's just me. That's just how I am. For you, that may not be you. You may not ever be loud, and you can still be more intense. Hello, somebody. So I'm not talking about that, but I want you to turn because I'm going to show you what intense is to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22 and verse 30. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, when you got to say so, I want you to begin reading in verse 23 with me, and it says this, it said, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, say to her, you are a lamb that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. And right now God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he's talking about Israel, that's who he's talking about, the people he's dealing with here in the Old Testament. Verse 25. The conspiracy of her prophets is in her midst, is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people, they have taken treasure and precious things, they have made many widows in her midst... Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they n- made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. I want you to. I want to pause really quickly because I want you to see what God is speaking to the prophet. He's saying, "Listen." He's talking about how horrible this land is. He's talking about all this stuff, but he gets into the place where he starts talking about the ministers and he starts talking about the leaders, the priests. Were supposed to be the ones who were supposed to teach the people and show them this is holy, this is not holy this is right and this is wrong and you know what was going on? They weren't doing that and I, and I want you to know something that even though this prophecy was hundreds of years ago I can guarantee you that today this same stuff applies in the in, in the days in which we live. We would not be in the condition that we are if men and women of God would arise and take their position and not be afraid to say this is right and this is wrong and would, and, and, and would not be afraid to stand on what God's word says. No matter no matter how many friends we lose, no matter how much popularity we don't gain, all of that stuff right there, it is important that we get the mindset that we understand that these things produce something, and we're going to get to what it produces. He goes on to say her princes, where he goes from speaking about the leaders in the, in the church sense to going and leading and, and talking about the leaders of the nation. He said her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, to get dishonest gain her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying thus says the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. Now notice, he goes back to these prophets and he's saying, these prophets, these people are saying all of this stuff. He talks about this untempered mortar. It was part of a building material. And he was saying, this is a material that isn't going to make them last. This isn't a material that is is going to allow them to get through whatever it is they're facing because these are false visions. These are false lies. These are things that are not going to bring them to where they need to be. Verse 29 he says the people of the land have used oppression committed robbery and mistreated the poor and needy and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger so he breaks down all of this negative stuff, all of these things that are ungodly that are going on, everything that is happening. And he says something powerful in the next verse, in verse 30. He says, so I sought for a man among them who would, make up, who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. I want you to notice this when God is looking at all of this negative stuff. He doesn't just jump to the place of I just want to judge them and destroy them But he seeks for someone who will intervene in the earth And obviously it wasn't just the prophets that he was talking about here because we know that there were some prophets during those days But it was the other people in the land It wasn't just one or two prophets or one or two voices, but he was looking for a people who would take up that position And we know that later on Jesus comes in and he is the ultimate Gap Bridger, hello. He is the ultimate one who repairs the breach because there was no one who was going to be able to do that. But in this moment, God is speaking and he's saying, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. In other words, someone who recognized there is something wrong. He was looking for someone who was indignant about the condition of the society of that day, and he found no one. Everybody was okay with all of the garbage that was going on. And listen to me, church, if we are sitting here and we are not concerned about the condition of the land in which we live, we need to wake up spiritually because there are issues going on in our land. There are things that are happening that are not righteous, that are not godly, and that we should not just feel comfortable with and just live like everything is okay because church it is absolutely not but this is the reason why there is such a need for a witness church this is the reason why there is such a need because if god can find somebody who is going to stand in the gap he can do something through those people glory to god If he can find some people who are willing to rise up. And when I was teaching on intercession, because many times when we think of intercession, we think of locking ourselves up for a 21-day fast and praying and crying out to God. I want you to know something. Intercession, that is only half of it, church. True intercession gets involved with doing something about the situation. Because when you truly have a burden that comes from God, it will motivate you to act. And when you are in prayer and seeking his face, he is not just going to tell you pray more he's going to tell you okay you have prayed enough now get up and do something hello notice i didn't say he's going to say stop praying he's going to say you've prayed and you've prayed and you prayed but at what point does your prayer activate you to action at what point do we, we, we cry out to God, God, send revival in the earth. God, pour out your spirit. God, move mightily in the land. But the question is, how many people have I even shared the gospel with? When people have done things that have been offensive to God, have I even, even challenged them in any way, shape, or form to help them to realize the error of their ways, or am I just being part of the problem? Listen, church. We have got to be the kind of people that wake up to the reality of where we are. Can I tell you the greatest, what I, what I believe is the greatest problem in our day? It's called spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy. What does the word apathy mean? It means a lack of enthusiasm or energy. A lack of interest or the absence of any wish to do anything. It also means emotional emptiness, inability to feel normal or passionate human feelings or to respond emotionally. When you are a person who is bound by apathy, a message like this does absolutely nothing for you. A message like this says, you know what, I just can't wait to get out of here and go ahead about my day. A person who's not apathetic is a person who is going to be convicted by God's spirit and say, you know what? I cannot live my life the way that I've been living it. I need to become the person who God is calling me to be. A person who is apathetic has heard this and knows this and is okay. But listen to me. If you heard this and knew this, trust me, there would be lines of people following you to the kingdom of God. And that's the reason why this message becomes so imperative. Because if we know so much and we have so much head knowledge, Church, why are we not seeing the results of all of that knowledge? Why are we, not, and, and, and I am not talking about Faith Dome, I am talking about abroad. Church, we have a nation that 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 brags used to brag because now you know there's different braggings, but used to brag because so many people are Christian. Listen, so many Christians and so much garbage going on, there's a problem with that equation. Hello, mm hmm. It becomes important for us that we hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, and that we shake off that apathy. You know what? You know what causes the apathy? I'm going to tell you what I believe is one of the biggest causes of this apathy in our life, and it is our social WIFM mentality. W I I F M, an acronym for "What's in it for me." Hmm. That's what it is. That is the mentality that we have. What's in it for me? If I go out there and make a fool of myself, what's in it for me? And when we don't see the results right away, you know what happens? We become dismayed, we become discouraged, we become disillusioned. It is important that we, church, that we shake off that mentality because you know something? When we read our Bibles and we search throughout history that is written about the church, you want to know what was something that was throughout the church always? It was a looking forward to heaven, not to today it was a looking forward to the kingdom to come not trying to build a kingdom here in this earth it was a looking forward to what god wanted to do in us not what was going what god was going to do when we got to heaven not what was going on here these people were consistently encouraged through the apostles to do what don't be bound by these light afflictions look forward to the glory that is to come what does the apostle say he says i'm persuaded he said, I, I am persuaded that the present sufferings of this world are not to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. That's, that, that, that is what the heart of a true child of God has to be beating with, is that heart that, you know what, whatever I'm going through here is not going to trump what I'm going to receive up in glory. And so what I've got to do is I've got to get that mindset, I've got to get that heart, I've got to get that down deep within my soul, and that way I can do what so i can start making a difference in this world that i live church we can't allow problems we can't allow situations to choke out the life within us we've got to shake those things off of us church we've got to shake those things off of us and we have got to allow the spirit of the living god to manifest fully and freely in every area of our lives today's a day That we need more than any time people to stand in the gap, people to repair those breaches, people who will be world changers. Church, it is in you. It is in you to bring change to this world. Why do I say that? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And what do you think that greatness is inside of you for? So you can just brag about it? No. So you can go out there and be a world changer. The question is, are you going to position yourself? And in closing, I'm I'm going to make it real simple. Intention. You got to be intentional. So being intentional will produce the next thing, intimacy. Because when you're intentional, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be a person that knows you got to be in prayer. You're going to be a person that's going to make Bible study a norm in your life. When you, are, when you are intentional, you're going to be the person that has those people who you know need Jesus that you know and that you may not know. And you are going to be praying for them in that prayer time, learning scriptures so that way you can do what? So you can share the gospel with them at the moment that God opens up the door of opportunity for you. That's the kind of person you're going to be. That intentional way of being way of thinking is going to produce in you the intimacy. And you're going to be intimate with him. You know what intimacy produces? Intimacy produces spirit filled intensity. And you know what spirit filled intensity produces? Fruit that will last. So my question is which one of them are you missing? Are you missing intention? Are you lacking intimacy? What is it that you're lacking? You're lacking the intensity. What is it? So I'll stand on our feet and bow your heads, please.